Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good, good, good. The orders. You know, it was so improbable. In Dave Tippett's last few games, it seemed like things were a little bit going way off track. And the orders mm-hmm. might not make the playoffs. It was the first time it had popped into my head all year. I always thought they were going to make the playoffs until his last couple of games. And then he got fired. And Jay Woodcroft has come in here and turned things around, culminating in um, this incredible run. And they clinched a playoff spot tonight, Bruce, with three games left in the season. Congratulations Orders. to Jay Woodcroft and the Edmonton Orders organization and all the players. And, of course, we fans are – it's it's – it's a satisfying moment because it it was it's been a weird up and down roller coaster season but um still going up right now yeah i had the pleasure of attending that game so it was fun to be in the building on the night that they clinched <clears throat> and it happened to be a friday night game i've had the mini pack this year and all the other games were weeknights oh, yeah. and uh, friday night it's a little more um exuberant shall we say, <laughs> and the crowd was really into the game, and they were, uh, you know, the cameras, of course, were going around, and everybody seemed to have a, a can or an empty uh, glass or in their hand, you know, and, and people were were, uh, were living it up and uh, enjoying the high life, and then after the game was over, out, out on uh, 104 Avenue, uh, around the Gretzky statue, there was this sizable throng doing chants and songs, and stuff and uh, it was kind of fun so it'll be interesting there's not much actually open in the arena district like when you go in through the front through the plaza Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of businesses yet i don't know if that's going to change if there's a playoff run if they're going to try to rush in and open up some get some restaurants going there because it could be quite a party central uh for the orders if they do if they do get it up and running i mean I think they had planned to always do it by now, but I think that the, um, you know, the lockdown restrictions held them back from, and COVID held them back from uh, proceeding. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. Bruce, we'll do our two good things, do two bad things and two numbers podcast on tonight's game. And we'll go with two good things each because it was a big win. What's your first good thing? Yeah, well, I'm going to go with the Oilers penalty kill. Uh, That got a lot of work tonight. Uh, with six penalty kills, including a, a, a two-man disadvantage for, what was it, a minute and 12 seconds overlapping the end of the first and the start of the second period. And uh, they uh, uh, they got the job done. Huge shout-out to penalty killer number one, Mike Smith, who faced 17 shots on uh, from Colorado's power play over the course of the 10 minutes and 48 seconds they had to the man advantage and he stopped 17 out of 17 and now that that's so i mean he's the main reason i would say they, they killed every single one of them uh and some good stops mixed in there uh but a really key moment for me and probably for most people watching that game was starting the second period down a goal and two men short for the first basically minute of the second period and then one man short for the better part of the next minute and they set out their their uh, prime three-on-five team of uh, Leon Dreisaitl up front and Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece uh, on the back end. 
and they proceeded to get the job done. And uh, Leon was it was <coughs> so funny. Like he's not a regular penalty killer, but he knows he's the man on three and five, to the point that when he made a great play to clear the <clears throat> clear the puck down thirty seconds into the uh, second period after surviving. Normally, you'd see the penalty killers skedaddle to the bench at that point. Even on a four-on-five, they'd be changing up, and he just sort of set up shop in the middle of the ice and went, nope, I'm going to kill this whole penalty. And he did, and they did. And, I mean, he played, I think, a minute and 28 shift there, all of it shorthanded to start the second period. And when the orders came out of that, one nothing, and then tied the game very shortly thereafter. It was a real shift in, uh, in the game that... Uh, turned it in Edmonton's favor, and then all they had to do was kill off a few more penalties the rest of the way. As, uh, uh, it seemed like any soft call that could be made against Edmonton was made. We'll get and to that. So they we'll, had, get to that hmm? yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah, we will get to that because it wasn't good. Anyway, uh, it was uh, 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 good on those guys. Mike Smith and the penalty killers had, a, had an excellent game, six out of six. Uh, against a very 25.6 percent uh, power play of Colorado, so uh, that was a that was a an important, fact, crucial part of the win tonight. It was an interesting game. Um, the Grade A shots were 17-11 for the Abs, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of those shots. Let me just count here. Give me a second here to manipulate my screen. Um, a lot of those shots came right at the end. The Grade A shots came on that six on four power play that they mm-hmm. had in the last four minutes they had one two three four five six wow. seven grade a shots so the orders had been a, were, were ahead up until that moment uh until until uh, that last power play for the abs what was um, five alarm and the five alarm was seven to four for the orders mm-hmm. so so um smith i thought he was good in this game but he, he in terms of like the really most difficult shots, the orders did a pretty good job of limiting those kinds of chances against Mike Smith this game. And they created their own uh, really great scoring chances, um, which it just segues into my good thing, which was Evander Kane. I mean, he was an offensive dynamo tonight with three goals and an assist. Um, he, he is a, he is a finisher. He knows how to finish. He is strong. Uh, he's got really good hands, and we saw that on on a number of um, on of plays. He started off the night actually with a with a bad play. He and Nurse were both over aggressive <clears throat> on the Abs' first goal. Nurse pinched in when the play really probably wasn't there, and it's then it's a three on two with Kane covering, and then Kane decides he's going to try to cut off the play at the blue line, and he got he was over aggressive too, and they scored. But after that, I mean, he was just fantastic. I gave him a nine out of ten in this game. Um. The first goal, he started off with which, what I would call a wicked slash check. <laughs> he kind of really hacked a guy, and the puck popped loose to McDavid. Hacked the stick or the guy? I don't really know where he got him, Bruce, okay. but he got him. And it was after a, a kind of a iffier penalty in that same regard by Nugent Hopkins, perhaps. But um, uh, Bob Stauffer was calling the penalty on Nugent Hopkins. It led to the five-on-three. was calling it BS uh, mm-hmm. on... Uh, TV. Um, I wasn't so sure about that. Anyway, Kane Kane got a pretty good hack there to start this off, and McDavid then takes the puck in, makes some nifty moves, and then kind of lays the puck off to Kane, who does a wraparound. And Darcy Camper, who had been so great in previous games, was way out of position. Yeah. Uh, he just got he he made a big mistake, and Kane wrapped it around and put the 
put the puck in the net. Um, the second one was a, was a really great combination play by a number of players. And Kane starts it off by winning a board battle and putting around the boards. Um, Derek Ryan wins a battle. And then Evan Bouchard puts a hard shot on net towards the net. And Kane gets the, I think it's kind of a, re, I don't know if it's a rebound, but he gets the puck at the side of the net and he almost slams in the puck right there. Um, that doesn't happen. But uh, Yamo wins, Yamamoto, Yamamoto wins the puck, puts it over to Duncan Keith, who makes an absolutely fantastic uh, diagonal dart over to Kane beside the net, and he just slams it in the net. His best goal, though, Kane's best goal was his third goal, which was a spectacular, spectacular effort. Speaks to a high level of skill in this player. And um, Connor McDavid got a pass, Kulak put it up the boards, and McDavid got a pass uh, in just outside the uh, in the neutral zone, just outside the uh, Avs end. And he made a very nice pass to Kane as he's moving in. But Kane then just went in there and deked, uh, I think it was Josh Manson, and he deked the goalie and he scored. Just very strong hands. Uh, he also found, found time in all of this, Bruce, to uh, push around nasty Nazem Kadri. So that was a, a side bonus with uh, Vander Kane tonight. He does really bring... It's just a, such a crucial and needed element to the Edmonton Oilers, that nasty provocateur uh, agitator. And he's scary. I think he's a little bit of a scary player. I think the other players don't want yeah. anything to do with Evander Kane. He's unpredictable, he's, eh? He is, and he's he's big and he's tough. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just bottom line. He's a big, tough guy, and the other teams are intimidated by him. That's what I think. And, um, I, you know, I never noticed it so much when he was on other teams and we didn't see him that much. But I see seeing him game in, game out. There's no one really that wants a lot, you know, wants much to do with Evander Kane when he's getting when he's getting rough and tough. So a huge acquisition for the Oilers, a controversial one that many fans were against. But uh, it's on the ice. Man, is it ever working out? This is he's been fantastic. And the Oilers have been a, a much better team with him on it. What's your second? Yeah, I'm going to go with a D pair of um, of um, Keith and Bouchard. I thought they had an excellent game, and uh, I thought they moved the puck well. I thought they moved the puck well in their own end. Um, Keith made a few good defensive stops, and yeah. as I s- said to my friend at the <coughs> game, my seatmate, that. Uh, he was. He kept making comments about the veteran defenseman, and I said, "Yeah, it looks like he's beaten until he isn't." You know, it looked like the Colorado guy was going around him with wide speed, and then that stick snaked out there and got a piece of the puck and and sent it skittering off into the corner. And that happened a couple times. And I, a couple, like he's he's very quick at um, uh, recovering and moving pucks. Like when it's on his stick, it really doesn't stay there for long. And then once in a while, one goes astray and he, you know, it gets picked off inside the blue liners. But, but those were few and far between compared to the ones that went uh, uh, where they were intended to go, or at least out of danger. And as you say, he did make a beautiful pass, beautiful pass to Kane on the uh, 3-2, the one that put put him ahead to stay yeah. in uh, a second, and that was again a quick decision. Like he saw the open man, and boom, put it right on his tape, and Kane slammed it home. And uh, um, so, good play by him. And as for uh, Evan Bouchard, uh, who played uh, uh, 
just under 20 minutes tonight with uh, four shots on net and eight shot attempts. In fact, he had more shots than all, uh, and more attempts than all the other defensemen combined in this game, Evan Bouchard, very active. Uh, I like the way he, he too controlled and moved the puck in his own end. He's, it's interesting, like he's, he's so, uh, I don't want to call it lackadaisical and I don't want to call it lollygagging, but he's so calm sometimes in his decision-making that you'd like to see more urgency. But tonight I was seeing mostly good decisions and the calmness, uh, uh, stood him in good stead. I mean, the, uh, and of course he scored the two, one goal that put Oilers ahead on very unusual goal where he, uh, uh, came up the middle and took a pass from Nuge. I don't know if the shot that he took was deflected or if he just shot it like eight feet over the net and it went like it right was over deflected. Kem- it was deflected. It went over Kemper's head and it hit high on the glass and, and it came back and it bounced right off the top of the net and yeah. right in right in front of the crossbar. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Bouchard's job was to wait it out, wait for it to get below the crossbar, A, because it's a lot easier to put it in the net when when it's under the bar and not over it. And B, if you panic and high stick it, well, then the goal's not going to count. And he waited for that to come down and showed really nice uh, hands and and, um, uh, patience to tap that one home. And that was one where the stick was close to the crossbar, but that had to be the easiest call ever, is a stick over or under the crossbar, because literally the stick almost went under the crossbar in the process of tapping the puck into the net. He was right there, literally under the crossbar. So kudos for him on that goal. But I liked his game generally and even showed a little bit of of, um, uh, spirit. You know, he got into it with... uh, Obey Kubel uh, of um, Colorado. About five or six minutes left, and of course the orders at this point down to six defensemen, so I didn't really want to see anything come of it, and it didn't, but it looked like he was ready to go with the guy, and I thought, well, this is new and different for you, Evan, and I don't mind just seeing a little bit of the, of the you know, edge. You know, just a bit. I mean, a lot, but a bit. It's nice. He cross-checked Nathan <laughs> McKinnon into the boards, and then it looked like he apologized for it. Uh-huh. Uh, late in the third period, yeah. Well, that was uh, him, was it? Yeah, and then he, then then that shortly after that, McKinnon deflected the puck in off his leg, which was a oh, yeah. kind of a fluky play. Mm-hmm. Bouchard was really good. He, mm-hmm. he yes, he's he starting to, like he's playing more conservatively. He's staying on the right side of his man. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a hallmark of of um, of Woodcroft's and Manson's approach Dave Manson's approach to defenseman coaches to keep these defensemen just playing a simple game and not trying to to force too many things they did it in the first period they they were trying to force things and they gave yeah. up a number of odd man rushes yes. which almost which did sink them they got behind one nothing on one of them mm-hmm. <clears throat> three on the three on one play where nurse and kane made the bad uh, decisions as i as i already said but uh, bouchard has been making really consistent uh, good decisions in the last few games. And he kept a clean sheet tonight, which means not one major mistake on a grade A shot against. He was very strong. And Cody Cece also did that tonight. They were the two defensemen who did that. Well, Duncan Bruce, Keith. Duncan Keith. Um, when you were there, Bruce, at the game, did you mm-hmm. get a different impression of Duncan Keith? Like when I when no. I was really, I, I got a better impression of him seeing him live, mm-hmm. how active and fast he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe he's just playing well, but he he just 
You, just, no, you can see how he reads the game. Yeah, yes. quick more than fast. Yeah. But he reads yeah. it well. Yeah. Evan Bouchard tonight uh, at five on five, he played about 15 minutes. And the Oilers had 27 to 12 in shot attempts, 15 to five in shots on goal, and four to zero in goals. The goal that he was on for was a five on six situation with the goalie out. But, was that a uh, five on six or that was a power play? Uh, well, the power play was over. Oh, the how, was how long had that been out? Okay, I'll have to check yeah. that. Uh, I yeah. marked it as a power play goal, but I, I thought it was. But it, I guess it's, it's uh, I don't know how long the, the power play had been over for then. I'll have to check. Um, uh, it, it had been over for about almost 30 seconds. All right. All right. But they couldn't get the puck out. It seemed like a power play that just never ended. But yeah, it was like 30 seconds after the fifth guy was back on the ice. Change that right now, then. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, that was a bad, bad luck play. Anyway, they're they are playing really well, right? And hopefully they will be the second pairing, not having to change that up and move Keith to the top pairing. Although, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, Bruce, I'm going to do my. Um, bad thing and good thing together here because they're related. So my bad thing is Darnell Nurse getting injured. And it happened about with eight minutes left in the second period. He was battling at the side of the net and it was a hard Mm -hmm. battle and he went down to one knee in the battle. It didn't look like anything very jarring at all though. It didn't Mm -hmm. look like any, there wasn't anything obvious or weird movement Mm -hmm. um, that made me think it was that serious. He gets up then and he tries to charge up into the play and he limps like he, he he's got to hitch in his stride and he can't do it and he's kind of mm-hmm. skated to the bench so it looks like a lower something with his legs or groins or something you know something lower body maybe his knee we don't know he just we don't know and reed wilkins has reported you know woodcroft saying that um we'll know more tomorrow so it's extremely bad news bruce to lose your top defenseman and this, this segues though into my good thing <laughs> My good thing, my second good thing is Chris Russell, uh, who stepped up into the absence of Nurse into the top pairing with CeCe, and um, he got an empty net goal. Um, he got an assist on a uh, nice clearance that um, um, that led to Bouchard's goal. Was part of the the sequence <coughs> sequence led to Bouchard's goal. Chris Russell, I think, is part of the reason the Oilers' penalty kill has been better. He is, he is a really strong penalty killer. He is a strong defender. And he still has, I just noticed that all game long, he still has the quickness and the skating ability. You know, he's the smallest. I think he's one of the smallest, if not the smallest defenseman in the NHL. But Not quite, but he's like bottom three. Yeah. So he's this incredible kind of shutdown player still. He's playing, you know, I don't think he's as good as he was in 2016-17. Um, he's not that good anymore. He was really good then, I think. And he's always been underrated. He's always been unfairly, I think, unfairly um, um, attacked on statistical grounds. But he he's he played a really strong game. And, the, and with Nurse out, I mean, having him is huge. I don't know if Duncan Keith, I don't know what they're going to do, right? Like how they're going to handle it. Maybe they'll just try to run CeCe and Russell as a shutdown pairing. And essentially not have a top pairing like have three pairings that play pretty much even ice time but they would be that russell and cc might be the top pairing in 
because they would play the toughest competition. They would play the most ice time against the toughest competition. Now, that will be a huge challenge for Chris Russell. He's been playing more against easier competition this year. And if he can, you know, can he step up and do that? Can he can he crank that out? Now, I'm I'm not expecting the worst here. Like, you know, I I think we maybe this is going to be nothing with Darnell. And there's fingers crossed on that. Yeah. So, um, but having Chris Russell and Duncan Keith around right now, these two veterans is it's it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And Chris Russell was very was good tonight. So, uh, see how we'll yeah, see what he, comes next. He was, he, and he he played four uh, minutes in the first period, six in the second, nearly seven in the third as his role increased. Uh, he really showed the um, benefit of going with the 7D, if something does happen to a yeah. defenseman, then all of a sudden you're not left with, you know, scrambling to run two and a half pairs out there. They still had three full pairs, and uh, uh, rather than mess with either of the other pairs, they took the seventh D-man, and this is the advantage of a guy so experienced, and just put him straight into the shutdown role. Like, he got promoted from seventh D to first pairing, you know, you don't see that every day, but it was the right decision, I thought, and I thought he was great, frankly, I thought he was really, really good. Um, he had uh, four hits and five block shots, uh, a goal and assist in this game, plus one, and uh, uh, I mean, that empty net goal, like, uh, Drysaddle won the face off, and there was like a split second over by the sideboards, and Russell hopped on the puck, and bam, 160 feet right into the middle of the net. It was like Dave Lumley perfection and into the center of the net, and that was that. Well, that one moment that went in, we all knew that Oilers were in the playoffs. And so anyway, yeah, but that was just the tip of the iceberg, and what was a pretty strong performance for him. My worry is that if he would have to do that job for any length of time, he tends to break down and, you know, he'll play he good does. for a couple of weeks and then then things start to either go sideways or he gets nicked up a little bit and, and it's hard to sustain. And, uh, you know, this time of year, you're looking for two months worth of sustain, you know, is yeah. the goal, right? So It's good they traded for Kulak as well. I mean, and it shows, <laughs> it shows the wisdom of that. Now, the question is, who might they, who would they call up? Philip Robury was back in on the ice for um, Bakersfield after a long, I think about a month long absence. So he was back in the game tonight. Um, they've got Nima Linen, of course, who I think has mm-hmm. also been hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so it's, it's not actually clear who would be getting the call up from Bakersfield yeah. to be the seventh defenseman. Um, and, right. and it's a big drop off. Like, I mean, the, they needed a healthy Darnell Nurse, yeah. and they're going to struggle. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Let's not catastrophize mm-hmm. yet. Let's just see what happens next. Bruce, what is your what is your bad thing? Yeah, you know, I wasn't too happy with the performance of uh, Mr. Referee and other Mr. Referee tonight. I thought that was a fairly one-sided game. Uh, six power plays to two, and here we have Colorado leading the league in power play opportunities again. And one of the reasons seems to be they sure get a lot of soft calls that go in their favor. And there was a few tonight that, I mean, marginally, you could say, yeah, it's technically that's a penalty. Well, okay, call them both ways, please, Mr. Referee. You know, they called Nugent Hopkins for some kind of, with Oilers already short, for some kind of, what they called a hook outside the blue line. But when McDavid has a breakaway and the stick comes up and into his hands as he's shooting the puck, you know, why would we be watching that? You know, it's only Connor McDavid on a breakaway. (laughs) 
and uh, the place went nuts at that point. And then I'm not sure if it was McDavid himself or who on the bench took an unsportsmanlike penalty, but that's really sort of piling on from the ref. Hey, I missed a call. You know what? I'm going to screw you over with another call. Give these guys a power play. Well, you wonder why my voice is hoarse it's from that that moment. Like that, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sort of ignore a bunch of fouls on one team, you better bloody keep your ears closed when you skate past the bench. And if you're too thin-skinned that you can't let that go, then maybe you better be looking for a different profession. Sorry, that is weak. Did you hurl a, a clipboard at the ice? I did not hurl a clipboard, just a few <laughs> healthy, hearty boos. To, uh, in watching the play of McDavid's breakaway, I think it was a penalty. Yeah, yeah it was a penalty. But it was, it was, the ref, the low ref, McDavid mm-hmm. turned his body just at that moment, and the low ref couldn't see couldn't see mm-hmm. the contact. So it was going to have to be the, the high ref who called it. And mm-hmm. I don't know where he was, because I, I really believe that the, and just in that moment, the low ref didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't see that didn't see that play at all yeah. so he, he would i think he would have called it i don't i don't think he saw it yeah. it's just a weird angle that he had now maybe he should have been at a different angle but um he wasn't mm-hmm. i'm sure they know where they're supposed to be on the ice anyway the other ref was supposed to call it and he didn't and he, it was kind of garbage time so yeah, well, I understand. Uh, I was starting to look it up, but I didn't get all the way through it. I understand Colorado's led the league in power plays for five years in a row, according to one source. And you kind of wonder what's going on there. I mean, they got skilled guys and so on. But like, yeah, say, they're not even in Cal- they're not even a California team, Bruce. Yeah, you know, don't they? They've got to make sure it's a California team that leads the league in in uh, power plays. Maybe it should be maybe Dustin Brown's happen. department. Maybe that'll happen in the playoffs. So with LA leading the, you know, getting most of the call, so we can look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Bruce, uh, number. What is your number? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, X ninety eight, <laughs> and the X, of course, is for Oilers clinching the playoff berth and getting the the coveted X by their name on the NHL official standings. And the 98 is the 98 points that they've now accumulated with a record of 46 wins, 26 losses and six other losses. So six, six, six. Oh, they, anyway, they, they have uh, uh, really excelled 23, uh, eight and three under Jay Woodcroft, including now 10, one and one in their last 12 games. And they're coming into the, playoffs on a serious heater kind of reminiscent of uh 16 17 when they made the hard charge at the end of the season and almost caught anaheim for first place in the division but uh, uh to make it with a week to go and four games to spare on the slate i mean now they can go on this two-game road trip with the game sunday morning in uh, columbus and uh then pittsburgh uh in a position where they can take the foot off the gas a little bit, and by that I mean they don't have to even send their whole team on the trip. Jesse Pugliarvi is, is uh, having a little bit of a health problem. He's been sick twice in 10 days. Hey, take a couple days off, Jesse. We'll, we'll be fine without you. For And if nurse needs a little bit of time to recover, hopefully a little and not a lot, uh, same thing. And... It just allows them to shift their priorities a little bit. You know, clinching the playoff is the job. Now the job is, you know, you want home ice advantage and you want to keep it going. Uh, but uh, getting getting that uh, X marks the spot, I mean, it's it was in doubt. It was in serious doubt. 
uh, at mid-season with the team really struggling uh, for, you know, almost two months span there. And they've uh, they've turned it around. They've turned it around with a, with a real sense of purpose. Like, I, re- I really got a sense tonight. Uh, once they got into the game, the first period was a little bit iffy with some, you know. Odd uh, man rushes, yeah. Yeah, three, three major kind of great chances for Colorado that Smith stopped two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just got the sense that, the you know, the team was really uh, um, pulling together and, you know, all pulling on the oars and and, and, and uh, bringing the ship home. And, and it's a different feeling in the building. And I got the same sense in a way watching the last couple games, the Vegas game and Dallas game in particular, uh, and I guess the Nashville game as well. But uh, um, t- tonight there was really sort of felt more a little bit the emotion in the building and even from way way down there in the ice from the from the players on the team they uh they're into it and they you know they're they're starting to uh uh <clears throat> really really you know pull in the same direction and i i give a huge amount of credit to uh jay woodcroft and the rest of the coaching staff for what they've accomplished since they took over bruce the Oilers have a 720 <laughs> points percentage, which is third mm-hmm. in the NHL. It's ahead of the Avalanche, who are point seven oh six. So they're only behind two teams in this time period. The Florida Panthers at 8.17, just hotter than hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Calgary Flames at 7.43. <coughs> the Oilers at 7.21. They're the third best team in the NHL under Jay Woodcroft. Mm-hmm. And it's a long enough stretch of games, that's 34 games, to think, okay, that's what they are right now. That's how they're playing. This is this is this is their team heading into the playoffs. This is a team that has a chance to go far into the playoffs. They're going to have to get some good goaltending, some good luck, and some good health. And uh, but if they do, Bruce, they can win a round or two, maybe three, maybe four. We'll <laughs> see. Here's my reason for hope, and this is my number. So you will recall, we will all recall that they were going into this um, seven game stretch that I think probably every order fan was really worried about. It was a, it was a run yeah. of games against playoff teams, the Kings, the Avs, the Wild, the Predators, the Knights, the Stars, and then the Avs again. And this just looked like, ah, oh, geez, it could all still fall apart. It felt that way still. This could all fall apart and they could miss the playoffs still. That thought was in, I think, the, the heads of many a fan um, yeah. heading into that run. And I was thinking, if they can get seven points in seven games, I think, I think I said it on the podcast, so that, that would be great. Well, they uh, they didn't get seven points. They got five wins and one loser point. So they got yeah. 11 points in those seven games. And um, they outscored the opposition 24 to 14. So against all of these really good teams in their own conference, they had one of their best runs of the season, Bruce. So yeah. again, like if people are feeling confident about this team and good about this team, makes sense to me because um, they just they just played seven very difficult games against every one of these teams. Uh, most of them are really desperate. Maybe not the Avs tonight, but most of them are, you know, we're going super hard to make the playoffs, and the Oilers got five wins in seven games, and a, and a loser point. 
it was just it was an outstanding run of play. It was the Oilers' best play of the season, like in terms of their performance defensively, especially they've they have started to shut things down defensively in a way they were unable to do, um, especially in the last days of the last days of uh, Dave Tippett, where they really fell apart. But um, I was hoping ahead. for four wins out of the seven games. I was thinking of it like a playoff series. You know, take yeah. four out of the seven. It's a you know it's a really strong test. And, um, you know, eight points in seven games is just kind of the NHL average anyway with this silly uh, Batman point system that they run. So, you, you know, seven and seven. I mean, they would have survived with that, but five, one and one. And they entered the string with a five-game winning streak. And my thinking at the time was, you know, five in a row, they're probably due to for a little bit of a, of a letdown just when they're playing real tough teams and they'll make them pay for it. But really, I mean, Minnesota and otherwise... In the one loser point they got was that one to one sixty five minute tie with Colorado that they lost in the shootout, so they didn't lose it in overtime. And otherwise, you know, wins. So nice work. One other thing, even though he didn't have a spectacular night, he did get three assists, Connor McDavid. So he's got yeah. hundred and sixteen points to Huberto's hundred and thirteen. So Tried and I think whoever high. wins the Art Ross should win the MVP of award as well. That's my uh, that's the narrative <laughs> I'm gonna start pushing. <laughs> it's a fight not just for the Art Ross, but for the Hart Trophy, the scoring race. <laughs> Bruce, any other thoughts? Final thoughts yeah, on the night? Yeah, I just um, wanted to clean up something from the other night. And I, I was uh, uh, trying to say nice things about Ben Stelter. I didn't quite get all my words right, but uh, my, I'm sure nice to see him on the big screen tonight. The crowd roared when they showed him oh. on the big screen at the eight. Eight and home, you know, celebrating the eighth win, play La Bamba, baby, and it was uh, uh, good on him. Uh, what I what completely sort of slipped my mind. Layla Anderson is the name of the gal in St. Louis from 2019, uh, and the song was Gloria, and that was a big big deal in St. Louis. And then, uh, I checked up on her, and she had a life-saving bone marrow transplant in 2020, and now she's in good health, apparently. So oh, that's great. the story with a happy ending. And that is, of course, what we're fervently hoping for for uh, uh, for uh, for Ben Stelter. I mean, we don't know what's next for him, but uh, 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 as I said, sort of not perfectly, he might have a short life, but may he have a long life. I mean, we don't know how it's going to go, but we do know that he's uh, living the best of life right now and he's uh, enjoying his time in the spotlight and he's a delight. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure of his medical condition either, but, you know, he you can see he's he's quite sick. Like, and mm-hmm. um, good luck to the good luck right. to the little guy. It is it's, it's extremely inspirational and it's and it's just yes. great to see him enjoying himself mm-hmm. uh, at these yeah. games because he sure. does appear to be actually really, you know, having a great time. So. It's very, it's very uh, heartwarming. Bruce, let's uh, let's leave it there for tonight. Okay. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody. And in, and in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.